ministry is uh, watching people fall away. You know, we, we get the special opportunity in this ministry to, to reach all kinds of people from all different walks of life, and our heart is so much for evangelism and so much for loving, just loving God and, and loving people and just seeing His Spirit just renew and restore and break chains that we're so blessed to see people respond, you know, to the gospel message and, and come to the Lord. And, and, you know, whether it's here in, in the church or, or down under the bridge or out in our sidewalk ministry, we just get so blessed by seeing people just come to the Lord. I mean, people that just want out of that old life and, and want out of the darkness of the world that they've been trapped in and want to walk into His glory and into His love. And, and we get to see so many people respond and, and their hearts just, just on fire for God. But in that same tone, we see so many people fall away. I mean, we'll see a person that'll, that'll come into the church and, and give their life to Christ, and I think it's real. I mean, they really want Him, and they really desire Him, and they're really crying out to Him unto salvation, and, and we see them just lifting their hands in worship and just praising God and just leaving it all behind, and they're so sincere. They're so sincere, and, and they leave it all, and they walk into His presence and experience Him, and they, they're like Carly said, they taste and see that the Lord is good, and they, they want more of that, and they drink from that fountain. And, and people will just text and ask us questions and they'll show up for church every time the doors are open or now they'll you know, show up online every time we're streaming something and, and be engaged and commenting and sharing it and doing whatever and just being so involved in the body of Christ. And then all of a sudden they miss church for a day. And then a few weeks later they miss church two times in a row and you know, then they stop texting, they stop asking questions and then all of a sudden they won't even respond when we try to reach out to them. They just fall away and then out of nowhere we find out that they're back in jail or you know back in the same negative relationship that they were in and in the first place or or whatever and people just fall away and way too often when we fall away we just keep falling and keep falling and keep falling but it's not too late and that's the title of my sermon today and that's everything that I want to talk about is just that it's not too late you know, my wife is a superhero. When I first got involved with her, I, I knew a lot of the things that I was going to kind of encounter, but I had no idea that I was joining the Rescue Rangers. I really didn't. But that was just, that's always been her heart. And even in the midst of our own darkness, when we were trapped in sin together, still she would go to these extremes to rescue people, to, to help people, to reach just into some darkness and some strife and chaos and pull somebody free. I mean, I remember being at like the height of our sin and still like her phone would ring and she would see somebody's number and she'd be like, hey, babe, we got to go. And I'd be like, go where? And she would tell me, and I'd be like, why in the world would we ever go there? And she'd be like, you know, so-and-so reached out to me, and they need help. They need to get out of there. And so here we would go in the car at 3 o'clock in the morning, going to somebody, you know, some place that's known for violence and known for drug activity and known for all these negative things. And so here we are kicking the door open, and people are like, are you the police? And I'm like, nope. Actually, I'm worse off than you are. I just came to pick up so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, we did that many, many, many times. And even in ministry, still nothing has changed. Oftentimes, I've been out in the middle of the night, you know, as a man of God, like going into these crazy situations because somebody reached out and asked for help. I mean, it wasn't but just, a, I don't know, a couple of years ago that we went into a crazy situation. Somebody had, you know, texted my wife just asking for help, just asking for rescue. 
And once again, rolled up, you know, busted the door open at, at whatever time in the morning and walked in, and they're like, are you the cops? And I'm like, nope, I'm the preacher. And uh, people are scattering and running, and yet we just came to rescue somebody. But the crazy part is, is in the midst of those rescues, man, we would pull a person out of the darkness and, and, and just, you know, bring them to our home or take them to a shelter or take them to some family or, you know, do whatever. And then hours, days, maybe if we're lucky, weeks later, we'd find out that they were back in that exact same situation that they had been rescued out of. And, and I would just get so frustrated because it happens over and over and over again. I mean, my family, my wife's putting herself at risk. We're putting our family at risk to go in these situations and help somebody. And then they, they pay us back by just running right back into that same life and putting themselves right back in that same situation just in a matter of minutes. And sometimes my flesh would just get frustrated and be like, you know, why do we even do this? And then God would take me back to my own life. And I remember one time I was sitting in my front yard at my old house just bawling crying out to God, saying, God, how did I get here again? Because it had just been a couple of weeks before that that I had you know, laid everything that I had down before him and been like, God, if you'll break these chains, if you'll give me an opportunity for some light, if you'll get me out of this life, then, then I'll surrender everything to you. I'll live for you. I won't ever go back to this again. And then there I was, right back in the midst of it wrapping my shackles around me all over again, sitting down in the muck of the mire and wallowing in it all over again. And you know who never gave up on me? You know who showed up right where I was every single time? Jesus Christ. Never frustrated, never aggravated. Always there. Letting me know that as long as I'm drawing breath that it's not too late. You know, he came and got me the last time, the exact same place that he found me the first time. And he'll do the same thing for you. If you hear my voice right now, it's not too late. It's not too late for him to come and find you right where you are. For him to break those chains that have held you down for way too long. For him to heal those wounds that keep on leaking. For him to restore you and renew you and reconcile you you to God and set you free and give you everything you need to get up off the ground, get up out of the muck and the mire, walk out of the darkness and follow him wherever he will lead you. It's not too late. Pray with me today. God, I'm so grateful that we serve a God that says it's not too late. I'm so grateful that we serve a God that will come get us right where we are, come meet us right where we are that doesn't have expectations on us, that doesn't have like pre-determined you know, situations and checkmark boxes that we have to fulfill before you'll come and get us, God. I'm so thankful that we have a God that went to the cross for us, that walked out of the grave for us, and that'll walk into our lives and get us one more time, two more times, three more times, as many more times as it takes. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, open up your word to the book of John in chapter 21. And if you would stand with me today for the reading of God's word, yes, wherever you're at, just stand up for the reading of God's word. I know that it's weird, but it's showing honor. It's showing honor to the word of the living God, and that's just what we like to do here. Book of John, chapter 21, the Bible says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. 
He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, he called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one that Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he'd taken it off and plunged into the sea, since they were not far from land, about a hundred yards away. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would die to glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Simple. Follow me. He came and got him the last time, the same place where he found him the first time. And he'll do the same thing for you if you receive that today. Just say amen. Just say amen. And let's just give God some praise for the six people that are in here and everybody that's watching online. Let's just give God some praise and you may be seated. The night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter said to him, I will go to jail with you. I'll go to death with you. I will do anything with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never forsake you. I'll die right with you. I'll do anything. And just hours later, just hours later, Peter would deny that he even knew Jesus three times. I don't know the man. I've never met the man. I don't know anything about him. The last time it said that he filled his mouth with vile curses. I don't know him. Bleepity bleep, blank, blank, don't know him. And we give Peter a really hard time for that, don't we? We do. I mean, it's the worst thing he ever could have done to God was deny the Savior. And yet how many times have we done the exact same thing? How many times have I said, oh God, if you'll just get me out of this situation, I'll never do it again. God, if you'll just help me get through this or help my family or help whatever, then I'll surrender my whole life to you. I'll live for you. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And then just minutes later, sometimes hours or days, but sometime later we're, we're right back where we started. 
Or we'll come into a church service and we'll just feel the power of the Holy Spirit and we'll just yearn for it. And we'll come to an altar and just lay our lives down and be like, Lord, I give you everything I am. I give you everything that I'll ever be. And then just sometime later, we take it back. We take it back and we wind up right where we were, right back, right back where we were. We've done it. We've all done it just like Peter. And, and you know, I wonder now why people go running back into those same situations. Why run back into the, you know, abuse? Why run back into the, the, the drug life? Why run back into the, the greed and the money? Why run back to our high horse and start casting judgment on somebody? Why? And I have to go back to my own life again. I did it because it was comfortable. I did it because that's where I felt like that I deserved to be. That's where I felt like that I was most at home. Because the, there were times when that pain was my only companion. You know, there were times when that suffering was the only thing that I really understood. And, and so when life got scary or I got lonely, or even sometimes when life got too good, I'd go running right back into it. Yeah, even when it was too good. Even when the, 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 new, life, the new life in Christ that, that I knew that he was opening up for me, when it got too good, I'd go running back into that pain and back into that sorrow because that's where I, I felt like that I belonged. That's where I felt like that I deserved to be. Same thing that happens to Peter. You know, Peter tried to white-knuckle it, right? I mean, even after the denial of Christ, he tried to hang out with the rest of the disciples and do what they were doing, but he kind of never felt like he was part of the group. You know, even when, when Jesus sent Mary Magdalene to fetch him, he said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Because see, Peter had already disassociated himself from that group because he didn't feel like that he belonged there. Those demons of shame and guilt, they were dragging him down and trying to keep him away from the Lord. And here in this moment, they got to be too much for him. How quickly did he run back into his old life? I'm going fishing, he said. He told them all, I'm going fishing. And they followed right along behind him. And that may not sound like a big deal to you, but see, for Peter to say I'm going fishing is different than for me and you to say that we're going fishing. If I tell you I'm going fishing, I'm just going fishing. And I probably won't even get a bite and I'll be back in less than an hour. Not Peter. See, when Peter says I'm going fishing, what he's saying is I'm going back to my old life. What he's saying is I'm going back to be the only thing that I ever really was good at. I'm going to become who I'd always planned to be. I'm going fishing. I'm leaving. This new life is not for me. This life in Christ, this life of a disciple, apostle, is not for me. I'm not good enough to be here, so I'm going back to do what I always did before. See, for Peter to say I'm going fishing would be like me saying I'm going back into my addiction. It would be like some of you out there saying I'm going back to, to cheating. I'm going back to lying. I'm going back to doing whatever it was that I used to do before Christ. I'm going back to focusing on myself I'm going back to my greed. I'm going back to my pain. I'm going back to my aggression. I'm going back to whatever it was that I used to hold on to that used to define me. I'm going back to what used to define me. I don't have a new life anymore. I don't have a new name anymore. And he fell right back into it. He fell right back into it. Man, how many of y'all have done what Peter did? You fell short. You fell short, but we all fall short. But instead of getting back up, and instead of reaching out for help from, a, from another, you know, from a family member or a person of God or, or reaching out to the Lord for help, you kept falling. And you kept falling. And you kept falling until you wound up right back where you started. But let me ask you this. How did that trip back into his old life turn out for Peter? 
How'd it turn out for him? He went and he fished all night and he caught nothing. Because there was nothing swimming in those waters that could satisfy him. There, there was nothing swimming in the waters of his old life that was for him. And let me ask you, how did that foray back into your old life turn out for you? I probably know because I know how it turned out for me. See, my trip back into my old life was worse than it was when I left. And I don't know why I thought that I could go back and it would be different. I, I guess because I thought that I was stronger or wiser or more capable somehow of being able to navigate those waters. But the fact that I was even considering going back into it shows that none of those things are true. And so once I got back, it was worse than it was when I left because there was nothing swimming in those waters for me. See, the sea of my old life is as is the dead sea. There's no life in it. There's nothing in it for me. There was nothing in it for Peter. There's nothing in it for you. And I'm sure some of you can understand that feeling. Some of you relapsed. But when you got back after the first few seconds, the high wasn't the same, was it? Because, see, that's not your life anymore. Some of you went back to that person that you were seeing that you weren't supposed to be seeing, but that relationship, it wasn't as fulfilling anymore, was it? Because that's not you anymore. You know, some of you tried to, to fill yourself with the things of your old life, whether it was the greed or, or whether it was the, the, the fame or maybe you, you know, went around and had some juicy gossip for somebody or maybe you want to cast judgment on somebody and push them down. But those things didn't bring you the same rush anymore, did they? This is why, because that's not you anymore. That life is not for you anymore. There's nothing in those waters of your old life but death and decay. There's nothing for you there. And you can go swim in there as long as you want, but eventually the current's going to drag you under. Eventually it's going to drag you under. But I need to tell you this, it's not too late. It's not too late. And, and, and maybe you just got distracted and got off on the wrong track and just kind of wandered back into your old life, but it's not too late. Or maybe you're like Peter and you kept falling and falling and falling and falling, but it's not too late. Or maybe you just had a bad day or a bad week and now your thoughts are all messed up and you know that you need to get them straight. It's not too late. It's not too late. It wasn't too late for Peter and it's not too late for you. And I know this because it wasn't too late for me. See, Peter didn't catch anything because Peter's not called to fish for fish anymore. Peter's called to fish for people. And you didn't catch anything when you went back into your old life either or you're not catching anything right now because there's nothing swimming in that for you. And so Jesus comes and Jesus meets them again in the exact same place that he met them the first time. He meets them the last time the same place he met them the first time, and that's exactly what he'll do for you. And he walks up to them and he says, you didn't catch any fish, did you? And, and this, this translation gets it right because it's not a question, it's an accusation. You didn't catch any fish, did you? Because you're fishing wrong. You're fishing in the wrong place. Let me show you what's right. Let me show you the truth. Let me show you that everything that you needed was in me and it was never in the world. Do what I say and watch what happens. And so the Lord gives them instructions and they follow it. And they're able to, to be blessed and, and be you know, you know, provided this bountiful catch. Because when we get right with the Lord, man, when we listen to what the Lord says, we get what we need. It may not be what we want and it may not be very pleasant, but it's what we need. And so they got what they needed in that moment. And then John, the, 
one that the Jesus loves, as he always says. He's the one that wrote the book, by the way, and he always refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loves. He says, it's the Lord. I love how he's the one that always, he beats Peter to the tomb the first time. And, and when he sees when he's the first one that knows it's Jesus on the shore. But this time Peter outdoes him. Peter doesn't wait for the boat to get to the shore. Peter needs to be in the presence of Jesus so bad that he just leaps right off the side of the ship. And, and the, the Bible says that it wasn't that far from shore, and I guess that's about perspective because it says it was about 100 yards away. And if you're going to swim through the ocean, that seems like a pretty good distance to me. But Peter didn't care. I mean, he did not care what stood between him and Jesus. He was going to traverse that gap between him and Jesus because he needed to get to the Savior. And, and you'll notice that all of a sudden those demons that had been holding him down, that shame and that guilt that had been driving a wedge between him and the Lord, they were gone. It didn't matter anymore. He put his eyes on Jesus, and all of a sudden his focus shifted, his perspective shifted, and he had to get to Jesus no matter the cost, no matter what happened, no matter what was in between the two of them, no matter what anybody else around him was doing, he jumped right off the side of the ship and ran and swam and thrashed his way into the presence of God. And Jesus is standing on the shore. And the Bible says that he's got a charcoal fire built. There's only one other place in the New Testament where that word charcoal fire appears in the Greek. And it's the same place where Peter denied Jesus three times around a very similar situation where people were warming themselves around a fire just like this one. But in this moment... Jesus invites Peter into his presence, invites Peter to his fire, welcomes Peter into this relationship with him, and asks him to sit and to eat. See, in the Jewish culture, the most intimate thing that you could do with somebody was invite them to break bread with you, to eat with you. And Jesus invites him in. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 3, the Bible says this, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest in prayer and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. And so Jesus invites him to the fire. Jesus invites him to the table. Jesus invites this person that thought that he had done too much that thought that he had gone too far, that thought that he had no chance to have a relationship with God ever again. But Jesus meets him the last time, right where he found him the first time, and welcomes him in and asks him to sit and to eat. And then he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? You know, oftentimes Jesus touches to heal. But you know, sometimes that touch hurts to heal. I don't know if any of you have ever had a bone set or you've ever had a joint pop back into place. Those are moments I'll never forget in my life. Or you've ever had a corrective surgery done. You know that sometimes it takes hurt to heal. And if you read the scriptures, you know that oftentimes Jesus would touch to heal. It says that he touched the man's blind eyes and brought sight to them. That he touched stiff ears and brought hearing to them. That he touched, you know, you know Jairus' daughter to, to bring life back into her. That, that he touched, you know, the, the servant's ear when Peter cut it off to heal it. 
So, man, Jesus, what makes you think that he won't touch you in your emotions and touch you in your broken life, even though it hurts, in order to heal you? And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And I always thought he meant the disciples. I always thought what he was asking Peter is, hey, do you love me more than the rest of these guys do? Do you love me more than the rest of these guys do? Because I'm going to put you in charge. Do you love me more than they love me? That's what I always thought. That I, that's what I was taught that he was saying. But as I study it more, and as I read it more, and as I gain some new perspectives on it, I don't think he was talking about the disciples. I think he was talking about the fish. I think that the Savior of the universe was standing there looking at his apostle and saying, do you love me more than you love these fish? Or in other words, do you love me more than you love your old life? Do you love me more than these things? that have brought you all this pleasure in your life before? Do you love me more than this idea of who you used to be? Do you love me more than you love these fish? Do you love me more than this foray, this trip back into your old life? Do you love me more than everything that the world has to offer you? Do you love me more? Peter says, yes, Lord. I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. If you love me, then be the man I've called you to be. If you love me, then do what I made you to do and stop getting caught up in this old stuff because that's not for you anymore. There's nothing swimming in there for you anymore. He asked him again, Simon, Barjona, Simon, son of John. If you notice, he doesn't call him by his new name. He doesn't call him Peter. That means rock. He calls him Simon. Calls him by his old name. If he, if he wanted to go into that old life and be that old person, if that's who he claimed to be, then that's who he is. No. You know what Simon means in the Hebrew? It means listen. It means listen. So as he was saying Simon, son of John, it could also be said that he was saying, listen, listen, son of John, listen to me. Listen, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, then shepherd my sheep. Man, I put a calling on your life. I called you out of darkness and into, into my glory. I've, I've called you out of that old life and into this brand new one. Walk in it. Man, live in it. Come with me wherever I go. Be with me. Do with me. Live with me. Shepherd my sheep. Man, you've got a calling on your life not to fish for fish. You've got a calling on your life to fish for people. Man, you listening to my voice right now, you've got a calling on your life. And it's not to be trapped in the things of the world. It's not to find your, your pleasure and your, your anointing out there in the world because there's nothing for you swimming out there. Man, there's nothing for you that's a dead sea to you. Man, walk into the glory that God has laid before you. Man, he's opened up a path. Man, come and walk on it and be on it and live on it and, and do what God's called you to do and be who God has called you to be. And Jesus says a third time, Simon, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was hurt. It says that he was grieved because Jesus asked him a third time. But you know, sometimes if you're going to find real healing, you've got to keep digging. And sometimes it's going to hurt a little, and sometimes it's going to hurt a lot. 
But you know what? If, if a doctor's cleaning an abscess out of your body, an infection out of your body, man, if they don't dig deep enough to get it all, then it's just going to keep festering, and it's just going to keep growing, and you're going to keep dying inside. You're going to keep dying. But Jesus is the best surgeon I know, and he uses a sharper sword than any on the face of the earth to do it with. And so he keeps digging into that wound because he wants Peter to find real healing. Three times Peter denied Christ around that campfire in, in the high priest Caiaphas's, you know, courtyard. And three times Jesus gives him the opportunity to publicly express his love and his deliverance. Man, I'll never forget. Me and Angela were standing in Caiaphas's courtyard. I mean, we were standing in the courtyard where Peter denied Christ right above the cells that he was in. And we're standing out there, and, and, and I don't know if they do this on purpose or what. But we're standing there, and we're talking about what it must have been like and how much pressure Peter must have been under and the fear in his heart and, and, and the, the, the conflict that was going on around him. And me and my wife were just sitting there talking. And all of a sudden, we heard a rooster crow. And we immediately both just began to pour tears. As Peter said, I'll never deny you. I'll never leave you. I'll die with you. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And we were standing there in, in Israel, man, in Jerusalem, and we heard that rooster crow. It's too much to process, man. But then, a couple of days later, they took us to the seashore, just, just, beside, just there beside Capernaum. Just there beside Capernaum, the seashore where it was that, that Peter jumped off the boat and, and thrashed his way to shore. The place where he encountered the risen king. And we were able to pray there and just feel his presence there and just invite him in. And just know that his love transcends everything that we could ever imagine. And there's nothing that you could ever do that would drive a wedge that would be strong enough to keep him from you. Man, he'll come get you right now, the same place he found you the first time. He'll come get you right now a different place. It doesn't matter. Man, he'll go wherever. Man, it's like I preached on Easter Sunday. The veil's torn. Jesus walked out of the temple. The stones rolled away. Jesus walked out of the grave. So he can come to you wherever you are. Wherever you are. And Jesus says a third time, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. In other words, Lord, you've seen my heart. You've seen my heart. You know, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Jesus says, then feed my sheep. The offer is still on the table. Right? The offer is still on the table. The relationship is still open to you. The calling is still there on your life. Leave your old life behind. Come with me. And I believe in that moment, Simon Peter Bar-Jonah surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. See, before it had been a lot of lip service. Now it's real. Now it's real. He came and got him the last time, the same place that he found him the first time. 
in love. In love. In love. And then Jesus prophesied over his disciple. And he said, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted. But now as you grow old, as you grow mature, there's going to come a time when your hands will be tied and people will carry you where you don't want to go. He was prophesying the fact that Peter would die for him. That Peter would never deny him again. That Peter would do exactly what he was called to do, be exactly who he was called to be. That he would glorify Jesus with his life and that he would even glorify Jesus with his death. He was prophesying the crucifixion of Peter, which happened. And Peter never denied Christ again, not even to his own death. And as they took Peter to crucify him, he refused to be crucified in the same position as his Lord. Instead, he asked to be crucified upside down, just as a symbol of his surrender to God. Guys, it's not too late. It's not too late. So man, no matter where you're at today, the only thing that our Lord wants to know is, do you love me? Well, if you do, then feed his sheep. Do you, do you love him? Then do what he's called you to do. I mean, do you love him? If you do, then surrender your life to Him all over again. It's not too late. I mean, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. It doesn't matter where you find yourself right now. He will come to you wherever you are. It's not too late. It wasn't too late for me. It's not too late for you.